I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and I'm running a solo show today. Dan will be back on as we preview all the weekend games, and we get you ready for the for, for the big game, the Steelers versus the Broncos at Heinz Field. But before we get to that, got a lot to talk about. We're going to break down the injury report in this first segment, go over some news and notes, get you ready uh, for, your, for your Thursday here on the DK Steelers podcast. So let's get into that. It was a long injury report for the Steelers. Now, the thing is, is that the Steelers, it's Wednesday. This is a short week of practice. Take this with a grain of, with a grain of salt. Because here's the thing is that when they do these short week practices, you also have to consider the fact that in these practices, the Steelers also know these guys have not had a chance to get acclimated back to football in the regular rigor. Of football. When I mean when I say that, what I mean is normally you need to get into the process of going all out and banging your body and doing everything you need to do in, you know in a, in a weekend game. After that, cool down, ice up, watch film, get your body right through practice, and then do it all again next week. And it takes time to get your body ready for that. It's not always easy to um, to, to to deal with that, but. What happens now is that with the Steelers, without preseason, with a with a training camp that was different, they're still getting their bodies used to that. So, with this, I do think that there's going to be more of these Steelers that come off this this, this injury report list in the, in the time moving forward. But here's the full list. First of all, Ben Roethlisberger did not practice Wednesday, but it was a coach's decision, so that's a good thing. Ben Roethlisberger did say that he said his he felt like his body was in a car wreck, but he he said his arm feels feels good. So. That's just 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger playing in his first NFL game in a, in a year. That makes sense. Other, the, this team's two top wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, didn't practice. Johnson noted with a toe. Juju Smith-Schuster noted with a knee. I think these are two of those guys that we're talking about that they'll be back. They're just taking taking a day off because, again, this is a short week. Monday night football to Sunday afternoon football. That's an, that's an extra day the Steelers do not have. James Conner, of course, his ankle injury, he did not practice, though Dale, our guy, was was on Twitter saying, hey, he thinks that there's a good chance that, that James Conner, if he practices Thursday, you're going to see him on Sunday. Marquise Pouncey also didn't practice, but that was a coach's decision. It makes sense. Ben and Pouncey, the elder statesman of the offense, not practicing, give the, give the vest time off. Stefan Wisniewski didn't practice with a chest injury. We know that that's been the case. We're, we're, we're waiting to see, it. is it a torn pectoral muscle? Is it something serious? Is it going to take him out for the entire season? We'll find out. Zach Banner, of course, being out for the season with his ACL injury. Villanueva out with an illness. Uh, we haven't seen any news on that. So, you know, expect him to be back, I, I guess, soon. And then Stefan Tuitt out with an Achilles injury, which... That's a weird thing to mention in the practice report. An Achilles injury. I don't. I am not aware of Achilles injuries being something that uh, you take lightly. 
And so I'm uh, interested to see. We'll be talking about the Thursday practice report on tomorrow's show. Dale will give you his insight on how that's playing out for the Steelers um, and which players he thinks will be there. He's the guy that's at practice for DKPittsburghSports.com. So with that, um, that's you know that that's the major news. Now on the Broncos side, they are also dealing with with their rush of injuries. The Broncos have had several players, uh, you know, hurt hurt with injuries. They've been dealing with Cortland Sutton, who's this, their starter, number one Ryan receiver. He's he's the guy that um, he's he's the guy that that's been, that's that's supposed to be the number one wide receiver and lead the way for Jerry Judy. He's been he's been missing with a shoulder injury. They're worried that he's not going to play. AJ Bouye, their starting cornerback and the guy that was used to be an All Pro cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars back when they were beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Bouye's been put on injured reserve and he'll be out for the next three weeks. So now the Steelers get to pick on their backup cornerbacks and that may give them a chance if Johnson and Juju are healthy. So. So there's that there's there's that part of it. Kareem Jackson was out safety was out with a coach's decision. So we'll see if that's another situation where he comes back just fine. Uh, Garrett Bowl there where their starting left tackle was out with an injury. That's going to be interesting to see how he plays out because Bowl is uh you know the the offensive line for the for the Jaguars they didn't allow, or the Jaguars the Broncos they didn't allow a single sack against the Titans but they've got a rookie center and having a backup left tackle may give the Steelers even more of an edge than they already do coming into the game having one of the best front fours in all of football so continue continuing with that I think the Steelers they got a good chance there's a few other guys that are hurt Philip Lindsay their backup running back and a few other guys but bottom line is the Steelers. Uh, I, th- I think are taking it easy, and it's and it's this is also fair game because the NFL scheduled this so that both teams that played Monday Night Football will be play- will be playing this will be playing each other. I think that's fair because now you're looking at the the both the Broncos and the Steelers having these short weeks. They both have the same disadvantages. That way, it's a, it's a it's a more fair game when it comes to dealing with injuries and moving forward. So, there's your notes on the injury report. Also, got to talk about. Uh, the first nominees list for the Pro Football Hall of Fame was released. Uh, it included six Steelers, by my count. Um, among the list, we all knew that Alan Fanica would be on this list. He was one of the ten finalists last year. Dale Lawley has said on this show that he thinks it's a very good chance that Alan Fanica will go in this year. But also added to the nominees list was Heinz Ward, who's been a semi-finalist in, in all past over the past five years. Heath Miller, who made it on his first year of eligibility. Um, as, as Joey Porter, Casey Hampton, the kicker, Gary Anderson, and punter, Roan Stark. So those are those are your Steelers nominees. There are six out of 130 modern era nominees. Don't forget that the Steelers also will probably be getting Bill Nunn, uh, or he's, he has been announced as a, uh, Bill Nunn has been announced as a contributor finalist, which means he's probably going to be part of that 21-21 class as well. This is setting up a potential party in Canton. Because you're looking at this as a chance for Alan Fanica, who might who, who might get added in, and we still haven't seen the ceremonies for Troy Polamalu, Bill Cowher, Donnie Shell, who were nominated to the 2020 class, but because of COVID-19, the the event was had to be po- had to be postponed. So it's looking like all of this might happen next year. Could be a serious party in Canton. Hopefully, people get to go celebrate. If Alan Fanica goes. That would add that would add to the list with Bill Nunn. That'll be mean his family can can get that honor. That could be five members of the Steelers organization in in there in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Other guys that were that were big names that were first first year eligible players included quarterback Peyton Manning. I think he's a shoe in. He has to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
uh, defensive back Charles Woodson, who played, who won a Super Bowl with the Packers over the Steelers in Super Bowl 45, a uh, notable draft pick with the, with the Oakland Raiders. Um, and, uh, and Heath Miller was, again, was one of, was one of those guys. I think Heath Miller, it's cool that he's named here, but I, I don't see Heath Miller going in for a very long time, if ever. Uh, but Steelers getting six names, that's pretty cool. Alan Fanica, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see if he gets in this time around and who knows, there's already four guys. We, there's three, there's three guys we know are in. We're expecting Bill Nunn. We're expecting Alan Fanica. Could be talking about five members of the Steelers organization all being inducted into the hall of fame at the same time. That would be pretty interesting for Pittsburgh to celebrate. Now, we're going to take one quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about that Alejandro Villanueva situation and break it down so you understand all the information in place here. All that, right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back here on the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, running the solo show today. Let's talk about Alejandro Villanueva because we all saw the controversy that sparked over the, over the game. Um, and I'm just going to recap it all so that we all understand what's going on here. This isn't me with any crazy take here. This is just me recapping it because this is now become a major Steelers story. So, first, uh, the Steelers announced before the game that, the, that they had voted and they were, they were going to come out with Antoine Rose Jr.'s name on the back of their helmet. If you don't know who Antoine Rose Jr. is, you can look it up, but some summary is he was a 17-year-old uh, African-American kid who was shot and killed by a police officer while running away um, in in the city of East Pittsburgh. Now, uh, Antoine Rose, of course, there was there was a lot of controversy with this because the car that he was that he was in that the, that was pulled over by the police officer that shot him was part of a drive-by. Now, it was later proven that Antoine Rose didn't shoot the person from the car, but he was in the car and. Um, and they, they found an empty magazine on him after he was shot and killed. But he was shot in the back while running away. That caused a lot of protests in Pittsburgh. That's how that, that played out. The officer ended up being acquitted of homicide charges, but the city of East Pittsburgh uh, had to pay out a $2 million settlement in, in result of this. So, all of that happened, and it sparked protests. Antoine Rose's name became a major rallying point in the city of Pittsburgh, and the team 
voted to honor him on the back of their helmets in in uh, the walk of the Steelers' stance against racism in the uh, opening game of the season. Now, all that ha was 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 scheduled to happen, but then during the game, it was noted that some you know it could be seen on cameras that Alejandro Villanueva covered up Antoine Rose's name with tape and wrote the name uh, Antoine Cash, or I'm sorry, all all one Cash. Um, on the back of his name. Now, if you look up that name, you'll you'll learn that Alan Cash was a sergeant in the U.S. military. He was killed uh, in action in the Iraq War, and uh, he received the Silver Star for his action. His actions, uh, and I believe he was killed saving six other soldiers. Uh, he was lit on fire, and it was a horrible death, but he was honored for his service, and Alejandro Villanueva put his name on the back of his helmet. So of course this sparked a lot of questions. You know, why why did he why did he break away from the team here? And of course this harkened back memories of when he stood away from the team when they decided not to come out of the tunnel tunnel for the national anthem in 2017 against the Chicago Bears. As when when he did that, there were a lot of questions, why did he separate himself from the team? And now he's done this action again. But Alejandro Villanueva hasn't spoken, so I think there's some legitimate questions that can be asked here, and if, you, if we do some research, we can find out maybe some insight into his into his reasonings. Now, Alwyn Cash is a black man. That should be noted, and that's important to this discussion, because this, of course, the movement that has been happening all throughout the spring and the summer, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, there's been a big push for that to be made made a uh, a major talking point of the NFL to acknowledge it in the NFL, and that was a lot of the ceremonies that led up to the Steelers' first game with all the all the the, the opening games of the season. So the Steelers, in their part, this was what they were doing. Alejandro Villanueva, by by putting Alwyn Cash's name on his on his, it still keeps a black name on his on his uh, on the back of his helmet, and it's something that he chooses to honor now. One thing that is a cause right now that's being that's being talked about a lot amongst the veteran amongst veterans and in, in the communities is that there are there one there's a lot of racism that's noted in the military, but also there is yet to be a black soldier who died in the Iraq War that's been honored with the Congressional Medal of Honor, and that's something that I've heard veterans talk about and say, hey, this is wrong. We like to change this. So if that's where Alejandro Villanueva was going he would be addressing some form of racial justice among veterans. However, it is reasonable to ask the question, why didn't he do this in the 80 other times he suited up as a Pittsburgh Steeler over the past seven years? He's been on the team more than long enough. They've honored troops several times. They have an entire month that they dedicate to honoring soldiers. And he chooses the one time to do this where the Steelers put a name on the back of their helmet that, uh, that, that brings up the name of a person who died at the hands of police brutality. And that is, a that, that, that is something that at least is a serious question that I think Alejandro Villanueva should answer because that's something he has to weigh there. And it also, you know, again, brings back the question I think that is also reasonable. You look at the two times that the Steelers made an unofficial announcement before the game that they were going to stand against racism. Remember back in the back before that Chicago Bears game in 2017, Mike Tomlin went on national television and said, "We have voted as a team to stay in the locker room, and we will all do that." And then what happened? Villanueva bursted through, stood stood for the anthem outside, and that and and he stood away from the team. 
Now this time, the Steelers make an announcement on the front of their website, through all their social media, that every single player will be wearing Antoine Rose Jr.'s name on the back of their helmet. And once again, in talking about racism, Villanueva differs from the team here. And take it for what you will, that's that that was his that those were his decisions. Now, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time in the debate of whether or not the Steelers should have put Antoine Rose Jr.'s on your name. Because the, the one the one side argument says, hey, this kid might have been, you know, was in the car of a drive-by. There was violence that happened. Now, the person that was shot at wasn't killed, but, you know, that was still a, that would still be a crime that needed to be investigated. So why are the Steelers honoring a person who was in the car of a drive-by? The bounce back from that is... It's not about they're honoring him as a hero and no one's calling him a hero, but the point is is that in the argument against police brutality is that black people in these situations are often killed when white people wouldn't have been because we see Antoine, Antoine Rose in this situation. It's on camera. He's running away unarmed and shot in the back and killed. And that's part of the conversation there. And again, this is why it became a major thing. If Antoine, if there wasn't video of Antoine Rose running away while he was shot and killed, that might have been a different story. So there's definitely controversy there, but that's, I don't think, is the big point. The big point is that Alejandro Villanueva did this, and there's questions as far as why he separated himself from the team. Now, Mike Tomlin said in his Tuesday press conference that Alejandro Villanueva spoke to him before the game and that he knew about it and that he supports anyone who either does want to stand up for social justice issues or doesn't want to stand up for social justice issues. That's their right as a person. And he's absolutely right. Alejandro Villanueva has has the right to answer to to say to do to make any stance he wants. Now Tomlin added, you know, do it with class and you know things that, to represent the organization well. Um so, you know, he does have that right, and Tomlin defended it. However, when Tomlin said that, he, that Alejandro Villanueva told him, it was confirmed Wednesday morning by both Cam Hayward and Ben Roethlisberger that they did not know that Alejandro Villanueva was going to do this. Now, of course, they didn't say if they were angry or not. They just said, it is what it is. We're moving on. We're trying to move on. They're focusing on football. I think that's obviously the Steelers' take here is that they don't have time to worry about this. They got to get ready for their NFL, their NFL season. It's week two. They got to get things going. But, you know, then there's the obvious question as far as, okay, well, who knew if only Tomlin knew or was Tomlin covering for Villanueva because they don't want this to become a controversy? Reasonable questions here without any answers because, again, Villanueva's not talking about it. The team is, try is, is trying to say, hey, this happened. We're moving on from it. But again, this was this this was this, this was an instance that I think caused reasonable questions, and I think anyone who looks at this objectively could at least scratch their head and say, "Okay, Villanueva's made their, his stances all these different times, only these two times when the Steelers have honored veterans, honored people, or you know, fought for or raised awareness for autism, raised awareness for breast cancer, raised awareness for testing early for cancer, raised awareness for people who suffer domestic violence, and through all of that." Villanueva has not actively stood against his team or against the the announced vote of his team to take a stance and only in these two spots. So I think there's some reasonable, reasonable questions there. I hope that Villanueva gets to clarify it at some point because I think that would be a positive conversation for bringing what he's talking about in his cause to, uh, to, to the table because there's also the reasonable thing is that, hey, 
if you wanted to honor Alwyn Cash, you could you could do that, one, by not taping over Antoine Rose's name, maybe taping it somewhere else. Or you could have done it in the 80 games that preceded this 81st game where you only did it on Antoine Rose's name. Or you could have done it later this year, even the next game, to cover 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 up the name on the back of the helmet when it was just the Pittsburgh Steelers. Or you could have waited for when, vet, when, when the Steelers would eventually honor veterans uh, later this season, as the NFL does every single year. So, again, reasonable questions, just looking for answers. Let's see if Alejandro Villanueva comes back and addresses any of them at some point. I feel like this isn't going to happen for a long time, just because the Steelers, they want to stick to football. But I felt it was the responsibility of this show to talk about this issue and those news updates, because it has been a swirling in the local media with all the talk. So I didn't want to leave you guys barren from this discussion and so you knew where, I, where my stance was on this. It's just that I think there's more questions that need to be asked and we can't ask them because we can't get to players because there's Zooms and you got you to have that. So we're going to take one more quick break and we come back, it's don't get me started. And everyone's got me started. I'll, I'll tell you what about right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with all these people who told me that Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't uh, wasn't a good move for the Steelers. It's Don't Get Me Started. I'm Chris Carter. And ladies and gentlemen, yesterday marked a full year anniversary to the day that Minka Fitzpatrick was traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a first-round draft pick and some swapped fourth-round picks. Who cares about those? But they gave up a first-round pick. Now, if you remember, there was a huge debate about this. There was a lot of talk about, oh, my gosh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, why are they doing this? Because they never trade away first-round picks. That's dumb. Why would you ever trade away a first-round pick? Oh, my gosh. But it was Minka Fitzpatrick. And I noted it in my Carter's Classroom that I did back then. Also, I have a new Carter's Classroom on Juju Smith-Schuster's route running. Go check that out. But I noted on a Carter's Classroom made that night. And I remember being up till like 2 in the morning finishing it, going over all his Dolphins film to show you the, the, the ups of this man and that he what he was going to do for the team. Minka Fitzpatrick was the dude. Is the dude. He didn't put up numbers or anything in the in the uh in in Monday night football partially because the Steelers were fo- so focused on taking away the run and Daniel Jones was not really trying to throw his way. Um also if you think that that one touchdown was Minka Fitzpatrick's fault, it wasn't. It was it was on Joe Hayden to close a little bit and it was just that Daniel Jones made a great throw. So, all that aside, Minka Fitzpatrick was absolutely worth it. And there were a lot of people that were the old school Steelers types that were like, "Listen, you never trade away your first round pick." But there are certain instances where you absolutely should. And Mika Fitzpatrick checked off all those boxes. I said it then. If you ever listen to him talk about the game of football, he knows what he's saying. He's a, he's a, leader. He's a leader on the field. He's a leader in the locker room. 
if you listen to all the times he talked while he was at Alabama, all the things Nick Saban said about him. And again, this is Nick Saban, one of the biggest names in college football coaching, talking about Mika Fitzpatrick and saying that he's the guy that he would trust to lead the team out on the field. Mika was always that guy. Now, in Miami, he was in a horrible situation. They were flipping between coaches. They didn't know what was going on. There was a fire sale of players. They didn't want to know. And he said, I want to get out of here. And who wouldn't want to get out of there? The, guy, the, the guys that drafted him were gone. The guys that were in were not looking too good. And he wanted to go to a winning organization. And guess what? The Steelers got him for a first-round draft pick. A first-round draft pick that, who knows, with Mick of Fitzpatrick, they probably lose at least two more games and maybe they get a little bit higher. But a first-round draft pick that a lot of people were saying was going to be a top-10 pick. A top five pick, even some said. But when the Steelers finished 18th, that's, you know, 18th. When the Steelers finished 8 and 8, when I believe they gave up that, they would have had the 18th pick in, in the NFL draft. That's Terrell Edmonds' territory. That's back end, or that's, that's like at, a little past the middle part of the first round. Now, the Steelers have never missed on a draft pick in the Kevin Colbert era, or at least in the Mike Tomlin era. I think they, they missed technically because they had Troy Edwards. So, We'll forget about that one. But during the Mike Tomlin era, and with, with Kevin Colbert, they have never missed when they've had a pick in the top 16. Whenever they get into that range, that top half of the first uh, the first round, they have nailed it every time. Whether it's Lawrence Timmons, uh, Devin Bush, um, even if you go back to the Coward days with Paul Amalu and, and Ben Roethlisberger. The thing is, they're, they're rarely in the position to take such a pick. But I think the other pick was uh, Ryan Shazier during the, uh, the, during the Tomlin era. But whenever they get it, they get they get a guy who's either a supreme game changer or a longtime stealer that's going to help them for quite some time. So when they when you know when they made this move, they got a guy that they could that they that was eleventh overall pick the year before, and a guy that they noted that they really wanted, but they couldn't get because they weren't in position to. They're never in position to get you know to get the eleventh pick overall unless they're trading up in the Mike Tomlin era. So again. It was more than worthy then, and this is what I have to say about people moving forward when we're looking at these types of moves. Yes, there is a Steelers code that we've all been used to for a very long time. We've all been used to them not trading first-round picks. We've all been used to them, you know, prioritizing the quarterback position and making that the one position that they go that they will bend over backwards to negotiate. We've, you know, we've seen we've seen a lot of their normal practices. You know how they don't negotiate after the start of the season, and that still has never bent. Um, but I think that there's room for the new school of thought with the Steelers, especially when there's players like Minka Fitzpatrick involved. Minka Fitzpatrick isn't like Leonard Fournette. One, he didn't have a lot of injuries. Two, he didn't make a lot of noise. Three, he, he is a prime NFL safety that does the things that the Steelers needed at free safety. Because also don't forget, Sean Davis was hurt at the time and they needed that, that guy to fill in. But I'm just reminding people that I said back then and I say right now, Minka is the guy. And there are, I think, between him, Devin Bush, and T.J. Watt, all these guys in their mid to early 20s, they are the guys that are going to carry this defensive core into the next generation. The current generation, of course, has Joe Hayden, has Cam Hayward, has Vince Williams, has these guys that have been around for the defense for quite some time. You know, Joe Hayden came in 2017, but, you know, he's a, he's a veteran. Um, the, these are the three guys that will take over and carry them into the future as the Steelers continue to add new pieces. I also think that Alex Highsmith had a very good debut in the NFL with the way that he played against the Giants. Point being, Minka is an absolute cornerstone piece. 
When the Steelers make other moves like this, trust what they're thinking here when they make big moves. The Steelers don't just swing wildly and just say, get rid of this first-round pick. First round pick. Get rid of that first-round pick. Get rid of this first No, they take their time, they do what they're supposed to do, and they and, and they usually hit and they make these kind of moves. You know why? Because Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, that front office and that staff, they have a great foundation that they work from to make these decisions. They know what kind of players they want, who these players are, and they and they usually take very good shots when they get those opportunities. So next time you feel yourself ready to criticize them, say, hold up, stop, up, let me see. You know what? I may think this is wrong, but I'm going to trust these guys' insight and at least give them the benefit of the doubt. Then if they're wrong after a couple years, then we talk about that then. But bottom line is, they weren't wrong about Minka, and I don't think they'll be wrong about other big shots they take in the near future. Certainly looks like they're not wrong about their trade-up to get Devin Bush either. But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you're enjoying your week. This has been the Thursday edition. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, with Dale Lolly on the show. We'll be giving predictions. We'll be talking about top storylines. We'll get you that that, that big uh, injury report for the Steelers on Thursday, which is, which usually tells a lot because that's the last full padded practice. Um, and then also, so we'll get all those take and we'll get you ready for the weekend with our Friday podcast. Are you enjoying the show? If so, please subscribe to the podcast network if you haven't already you can go right to us on apple spotify stitcher google all those things we are there on top of that please go on apple podcast leave a five-star review with a positive comment those things really help out the show when you do those those things it and again when you subscribe to us you're getting the dk daily shot where dan kovacevic gives his daily thoughts on sports you get the, the dk steelers podcast where dale and i chop it up on the steelers you get the dk pirates podcast where alex stump and noah hiles chop it up about the pirates you get noah hiles down memory lane podcast where he interviews former former uh pittsburgh athletes and where about about their career and where they are now these are all great great content i suggest you get it it's a great it's a great time. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Be back in your ears tomorrow.